Hello, everyone. I'm WTOC's Dawn Baker here with my friend and longtime colleague. Dow Kennedy. South Georgia Bureau Chief for 27 years here at WTOC. We're having a little chat today because we are in our process of counting down uh, Dow's retirement from WTOC. He's going to move into a whole new industry. Let's talk about that first. What are you going to do next, Dow? I will be still living in Statesboro. I will be the communications director for Bullock County, which is, means working with the fire department, working with the EMS, the EMA during a hurricane, um, the elections office, the TAG office, the commissioners um, on standby to help the sheriff's office, which I hope they never need. They've, you know, they've got a well-oiled machine for years and years. I've just said, if there's ever an occasion that you need an extra body, I'm available, but you all have your system I'm I'm just on standby. Well, I will tell you, it's exciting to hear about you going to this new role, but it still feels weird me saying that um, you're retiring. But (laughs) people say, what are you going to do in your spare time? And I said, listen, I am too young and too broke (laughs) to just totally retire. I'm I'm retiring out of television. Right doing something else for a living. Well, I'm, I'm just so excited. You know, that'll be a whole lot of hours that you'll get a chance to stay in your home area with your family. And that's so important, especially as we get older, because our parents get older, our families need us, and we don't have to worry about the odd hours. You wouldn't have to worry about the odd hours anymore and the holidays and all that well, and, stuff. And the distance, you know, mm-hmm. to be on the other side of the moon, if, if something were to happen, you know, I've got a, a, you know, my youngest is in his late teens, um, my mom is in her early 80s, mm-hmm. um, so parenting both of them. Um, she's going to get you. She's going to get me, but, <laughs> you know, listen, hey, maybe not. Um, somebody from church is going to listen to this and tell her about it in Sunday school or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, when, you, when you're having to do that sort of thing, the odd hours, but also just the Monday through Friday that, that you're, you're 100 miles from her and something were to happen, I, you know, perish the thought mm-hmm. that you're, you know, five counties away or a hundred miles doing something exactly. in the middle of breaking news. And you get that call. I literally, it happened to me, um, a few years ago, uh, during a Christmas parade. I'm in Vidalia. We're doing the Christmas parade live. My phone starts blowing up and my mom's been in a car wreck oh. and she's trying to call me. She knows what I was doing that morning. She's trying to call me. And, um, then I start getting text messages from, uh, a friend of mine in church whose mom was a friend of my mom mm-hmm. and they had gotten there to the scene and texting me to explain what was going on. And wow, you know, being sort of like glued in that chair to finish up the parade and then jumping off the set and trying to fight through traffic to get from Vidalia to Statesboro, mm-hmm. um, you know, to check on your mother who ended up in the trauma unit <sighs> when I finally convinced her she needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when, when, when you're, when you've got those kind of fears and worries, you know, the closer you stay to home, if you're, if you're just across town, it's a little bit more of a stress relief than, than knowing there are days when you're going to be so far away if something were to happen. Oh, yeah. definitely. I mean, and, and I see where you get the uh, superhero mentality because because mama's like, I'm fine. It's going to be OK. But it's it's just so good that, you know, uh, we can be here in the community with our families because um, so many people, they make these decisions about jobs. And, and a lot of my friends now are thinking about the fact that they're far away when mom and dad are getting older and and, well, and they need to be a little bit closer. You know, and, and we see it with the young folks that, that come here. They're fresh out of college. They've gone to school in a different time zone. They've, they've grown up in a different time zone 
different mm-hmm. part of the U.S. And so they come to Savannah, and I think that excitement is there. But then once they've experienced a Thanksgiving away from family, and then they may have experienced a Christmas mm-hmm. away from family, you know, th- then they start thinking about it. And in- invariably, when time comes, they they start looking for something closer to home. So exactly. it's, you know, in, in some ways, we've kind of cheated the system, mm-hmm. so to speak, that, that we've had our career, but we've also been close enough. But, but you know, it, it's, it, it reminds you of priorities. Definitely. Definitely. Well, speaking of priority, we're going to get back on track with the WTOC career. And we will, all of us, I remember being in a newsroom back in 1996 with... Doug Weathers, a Johnny Cole, Mike Manhattan, and so many other big names. And here came this fresh-faced journalist to move into a position that what was nose kid is what she really means. I can't say that because they were calling me the same thing then. But just to move into a position that had been vacated so. Abruptly, uh, abruptly and sadly, traumatically, traumatically by a, a legend, Jim Hildebrandt. It, what was that like for you? It it was overwhelming, um, you know, to, to step in and, and think about that job because that job was probably the only one in Savannah that I would want. Uh, the idea of, of riding the roads, going to small towns, many of which I was I was already familiar with. Um, but being familiar with those folks and, and kind of knowing the culture of it, small town um, dynamics, um, that appealed to me. And, and the reputation that Jim had, the trust that he had built, mm-hmm. and knowing him myself, um, thinking about doing that, um, I, you know, I probably would not have applied to WTOC to be a reporter that covered Savannah City Council right. or, or Chatham County Commission or, or something like that. But the idea of, of working out in God's country, um, you know, that, that part appealed. And, but knowing him and knowing the stature that he had, it was, it was daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing, the, I mean, the man walked on water. Oh, definitely. And, and to try to step in there as, as a mere mortal and realize that man was at WTOC longer than I've been on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And and to try to step in there and, and, you know, some of the expectations, you know, we grew up with the story about, you know, David and, and going out to fight Goliath. Mm-hmm. And, and the king says, well, you're going to have to wear my armor and puts the armor on him. And he's just like <laughs> falling down from the weight of right. it. It, it. It felt like that sometimes because so many folks had that expectation of what Jim had learned to do over the decades right. and then to sort of walk in and like Jim didn't leave a manual. Right. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're building the, pl- I'm building the plane at 30,000 feet and, you know, just learning it on the fly. And so many people that were compassionate and patient and kind um, folks like Doug, you, um, Mike Sullivan, our news director mm-hmm. back then, um, Mitch Glicken mm-hmm. for covering Georgia Southern sports and sort of taking me in with his coattails. Um, and Craig Harney, um, so many projects that if, if it wasn't directly in a newscast, it was Craig Harney mm-hmm. that was doing it. And 
for Craig to say, if, it, if it's something outside of Savannah, why don't we have Dal a part of it? Right. And so from festivals to parades and things like that, where you sort of get to be yourself and mm-hmm. people get to get comfortable around you, um, was just totally awesome. I, I've always, I always called him Uncle Craig because he was kind of like, you know, the uncle that came by the house and said, I'm taking you to the ball game. Come on, get in the car. <laughs> it, it was like that. It felt like, a, you know, I was getting out of something or playing hooky for right. something to get to get to go do something with Craig. Right, right. Well, you know, you listed a whole bunch of, of giants in that statement. and Including you. No, I, no. Take the credit. No, sir. I will not take the credit of that. Because, you know, when you came in, I was at that learning stage, too. I just got here a few years before you. You know, I'm serious. Because, you know, you think about it, You've been working how many years? 27. 20 t- Total? No. Well, 30, 33 in journalism totally. Okay, so I've been working 35 in journalism totally and 34 of them here. So I, I just remember, you know, just being overwhelmed walking in that newsroom because, as you said, my family watched this station. And it took me more than 90 days to stop calling Doug Mr. Weathers. And he was so upset that I wouldn't call him Doug. I kept going, you're older than my mama. I have to call. But that's that Southern thing. <laughs> oh, you know, God. we had to break our way out of it. But what I just remember about that, that just... We were surrounded by such amazing people that honestly, even in that tragic time, we we couldn't fail because they weren't going to allow us to fail. No, they thought they knew that we were local, that, you know, we were decent people and they just took us in like we were just a part of their own. And and I will always be, you know, forever grateful for that. I I would not have made it without those folks that were being so patient Mm -hmm. um, that saw me, you know, if if I messed up, it was. How do I how do I put this? It, if I messed up, it was it was an unintentional error, right? And it it wasn't for lack of try, trying, lack of trying, or or having an attitude or anything like that. It was just from the ignorance of being twenty nine years old and mm-hmm. not knowing any better. Um, and so, folks, you know, were patient with that. And that, I mean, that includes the folks that were here in the building. Um, a ton of sheriffs and police chiefs and district attorneys and, you know, the colorful characters that mm-hmm. in I every could, community <laughs> in every community that I could count on, you know, folks that would talk to me because they knew I wasn't going to try to make them look like a country idiot. Mm-hmm. And, and those were the folks that, that would, that would help you along the way. And some of them, some of them point blank told me, they said, um, Jim was not only a colleague, Jim was a friend mm-hmm. out of respect for him. I'm going to keep you at this inner circle. I'm going to let you pick up where he left off. But if you screw it up, you you go back to the back of the line and you earn your way back up here. And I would like to think that I never did intentionally screw something up mm-hmm. and have to go to the back of the line. And so my goal was always to keep the connection between WTOC's bureau counties and the station and our news to keep that relationship as good as it was and if possible make it better or just mm-hmm. perpetuate it at least right right so well i i know you have done that everywhere you've gone and it's it's evident even now whenever there's a story almost in any county if i text you and go hey I called this number for the sheriff, but of course it's after five o'clock now. Do you happen to have a contact in 
any county, you always have a contact. And I'm like, well, you could just give it to me. You knew that by you calling and having that rapport with those people, you were more likely to get the information than even me where they get excited when they see me too because we come out of the same little box, but they don't have that one-on-one with me. So you will never realize how much you have helped the overall WTOC remain strong and, as we say, flying that WTOC flag wherever you go. Doug Weathers coined that phrase, flying the flag. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not shooting a story, if you're there, you've added something by being there that's and right. that's flying the flag. You know, so many of those folks, I've, I've tried to respect them. You know, they knew I wasn't going to call them at a crazy hour if it wasn't necessary. Right. Um, you know, respected cell phone. When cell phone numbers back then were still somewhat private and you weren't getting spam messages all over the place, mm-hmm. you, you know, you wanted, if somebody gave you your, gave you their cell number, you know, you respected that and you didn't, pass it all over the newsroom. That's right. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about more about news and WTOC 27 years. What are some changes that that just stick out in your mind that you've watched the station change and the industry change? I think the tempo of it is completely different. You know, when I got here, we had um, an hour newscast in the morning. Mm -hmm. There was a 12 noon newscast that one of the segments was going to be a food recipe from Mr. Mr. Food. and then the news would start, you know, the news 90, as Mitch Glicken used to call mm-hmm. it, was 5 to 6.30 and then the 11. And look at it now, mm. we're, you know, we're doing hours of news in the morning. Before doing, the sun comes up. Before the sun comes <laughs> up. Then we're doing, you know, a, a more of a conversational show um, morning after break. the news mm-hmm. is over. We're doing, you know, we're doing morning break. Then we're coming back at noon. And then we've got afternoon break and we're going from you know from three Three. to six thirty then we're coming back at seven then we're coming back at eleven the lights in the studio don't get turned off very much in the day anymore that is true it's one thing right after the other the the pace is so much faster than when we started and and trying to accommodate all those different newscasts and trying to you know as you say dance with a whole bunch of different partners Mm -hmm. trying to bring that story and catch up the people that maybe didn't see the previous newscast, right. trying to trying to catch them up, but trying to put some new information for the people who were watching earlier mm-hmm. that are like, you told me that already. Tell me something new. And, and trying to merge those two together and trying to do that in real time at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock um, and, and trying to update that information, try to edit some footage in a car on a laptop and upload it and hoping that the cell signal is good mm-hmm. in so-and-so county today um, and try to get that information. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like trying to brush your teeth and eat cookies at the same time. <laughs> that is a good description of it. Tell me, Dale, through the years, so many, um, I'm sure so many moments stick out in your mind, but what do you think you'll miss most about being here every day in the sometimes hundred miles or more you put on your car in one day. You know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, some of it in, in recent years, the technology has afforded me um, the chance to do more outside the building. Mm-hmm. It, it's cut out the need for coming down here, but you know, sometimes it's like, can I just come down there just to be in the building? Of course you can. <laughs> sometimes you think it's like, 
man, there's so many new people. I've seen them on TV, but I haven't met them yet. Exactly. And and sometimes you just want to come down here to sort of be a part of it and hang out in the dugout, so to speak. Right. Um, you know, I think I think meeting meeting the next generation, seeing the younger folks that have come in, and trying to explain to them what WTOC means to this audience, and explaining how important a role they play in the audience's Mm -hmm. world. You know, when you get a haircut, folks are going to notice. If, if you get a new tie, they're going to notice whether, and, and, and And comment whether they like your tie or not to say that, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but just that connection. Cause, cause they feel like you're part of their family and, and you know, the, the, to be out, places and and see people that you know they talk to you like you're their dad's best friend or your their mom's co-worker they see you and it's not like do i know you they're like hey mr dow mm-hmm. like i go to their church or something right, and, and right. extended family um i think is something that that you, you know i'm i'm always going to appreciate it mm-hmm. and who knows i mean you know a month or two from now people are going to be like are you you look familiar do i know you you know, no that, that's going to fight. That's going to fade off quickly. Um, I don't think that's the case because I know a young fella named Doug Weathers, who's 92 now, who is recognized every time he walks out of his house. So I, I do believe when you've been here for as long as as you've been here, you have been here to see go to the first grade uh, spelling bee. And now realize that that first grader has a kid who's in school somewhere that you might cover. So no, you're, they're not going to forget you very soon. If I had, if I had a dollar for every person that has come up to me since all of this, but I would say you know just I've been more aware of it right. over the last few months, and it probably meant more. But when people come up, especially as this was starting to to look like it was going to happen. You know, people that are just like, you know, I never told you this, but I've watched you my whole life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I have watched you since I was a little kid, and now they're grown with little with kids. kids. That's that's when you feel your hips start to, you know, come out of socket. But, you but know, what just, an honor and a privilege, because people have always had choices, and they decided to stick with us through the ups and downs, which is just amazing. The, the loyalty, they feel like they're a part of the team, and they are. Uh, we want to hear from them, because those are the stories we want to cover. Those well, things and, are and, important to them. And those are the people that, you know, they're going to pick up the phone and call us and tell us, hey, our, our high school's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because you're the station that comes and covers our spelling bee. Right. Um, they're going to, you know, they're the ones that call us about this or that. They're the ones that follow us on Facebook and, you know, message us about every little thing. Um, you know, they're the ones that consider us part of the family. Exactly. And, you know, those, those, are, those are the ones that come up to you in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. They come up to you at the PTA meeting. They come up to you at church and, and talk about stories, now, you know. So much of what we cover doesn't come in a press release right. from an agency somewhere. It it comes from that personal contact because people see us out somewhere. They know we're real folks. Mm-hmm. We've got you know we've got kids in school or we've got mamas mm-hmm. that that or you know we're making sure they're sitting in their seat on the pew at church or, or right. something, and and they recognize the fact we're real folks. Mm-hmm. And it's such a tremendous honor to, um, it's a very stressful job, but there's 
so many more rewards than the deadline pressure and, and the few people who get angry and say something that they probably shouldn't. But I think they view us as I'm just talking to my older sister. So it's all right. Mm. I got to ask you this. Did you always want to be a journalist? I, you know, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was cool. I even, you know, as, as a kid, I lived in an apartment complex and it's like I, I, I thought it was funny. I, I like made a newsletter. I was trying to get other kids to like, let's let's do like a newsletter. We could write a newsletter for everybody that, that lives in go. the apartment complex, uh-huh. you know, um, that was probably the youngest part of it. I my first exposure to TV was my uncle, who was Jerry Kennedy was the Doug Weathers of Albany. Okay. Um, he was on air in Albany the 70s, the 80s, till he passed away in the early 90s, mm-hmm. um, but beloved. And to be around him and, you know, go to visit in the summer. And if we went to Albany for, you know, a few days to visit, I would spend an afternoon at WALB and stay there with him and watch the newscast. Oh my gosh! In the seven, in the seventies, grooming and training. You had no idea what was going no, on, and they didn't no know idea. either. They just knew you were a smart kid, no. a nice kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, what was funny is when when our stations came under the same ownership, and people from WALB started seeing stories from Dow Kennedy. Mm-hmm. They they started messaging our folks and go, "Is he in relation to the Kennedy that we had?" and you know, yeah. then they start making the connection. And, and then as my stories would air on their TV and, and they sort of acknowledge like for the older folks at home. Yes, he was related. And, mm-hmm. and it just sort of brought it all together. Right. Right. What do you think has been the best part of your career? I think having the relationship with people mm-hmm. and and having that trust and having the the, the reputation or or the connection where folks would call and say, you know, we, we got to get this out. Um, it's a stinker. Uh, but if we got to talk to somebody, I'd rather go ahead and talk Mm -hmm. to you and get it out in the open. Um, I think kind of having that level of trust with people and having that connection where, you know, when something happened that folks are proud of, they want it on TFC, they're going to call Dow. Um, if it's something, bad and if it's you know if it's something bad that i've heard of it first and i call them they're willing to talk with me you know it's kind of i guess it's kind of like you know bedside manner so to speak um but i think just having that connection with with mm-hmm. people that they they consider you know people that just walk up to you and they don't you know they walk up with a with a level of familiarity right. already a comfort you know, yeah a comfort mm-hmm. level of like, Dawn, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Not just, excuse me, I want to introduce myself or anything like right. that because they feel like they already know exactly. you. Exactly. They just pick up the conversation like you're from the neighborhood or something. So what do you think has been the most difficult part of your career? Um, I think, you know, dealing with tragedies. Yeah. Dealing with murders. Um you know, things were a loss of life and mm-hmm. whether it was someone that I knew and those are probably some of the toughest, Yeah. but going into a situation, um, where you've got, you've, you're meeting people at their worst right? and hoping that they'll let you deal with their crises um 
and hoping that you don't do anything intentional or unintentional mm-hmm. to make that sorrow even the slightest bit worse. Right. And, you know, I think there's that um, one thing that I often think about, too, and has always been my a fear when you have so much family and close friends in our viewing area, you know, it hits us differently when we hear about accidents and things like that, because sometimes you'll hear people go, oh, it's just a fender bender. But you're wondering, well, with me, it's always uh, if it's near my mom's house to make sure that they're home. You know, I'm mm-hmm. calling my aunt down in Liberty County and, mm-hmm. and other places just to. Yeah, it's a lot because we hear a lot and that's a lot of trauma we hear with those scanners on well, all the time and, and in the newsroom. And think about the tragedies that we've had oh, here yeah. at WTOC. Um, with, you know, so folks, folks that were suddenly and tragically taken from us mm-hmm. and we're hearing it on the scanner and somebody from WTOC gets there. Not knowing, not that knowing it's that it's one of us and then having to deal with that yeah. and then, then watching it suddenly get personal, um, no, it's it's. I mean, one of the toughest what, one of the toughest cases to cover, um, in recent years was the murder of someone I had known for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, just just earlier this year, mm-hmm. and trying to cover that and cover, um, you know, looking across the room at the family and its people that I have known for thirty plus right. years, um. And trying to figure, okay, how do I how do I handle this? How do I do the news side of it that I have to do, but do it in a human right. way? Yeah, there there's that the the one thing that I think we have a little advantage of because we are older and we've been around longer is that you have that thirty years with them. So I think they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but it is, it doesn't make it any easier. I remember us texting while some things were going on with that. And I just couldn't even imagine being in that situation. You just handled it with just the utmost respect and dignity. And, and I'm sure once, if they ever get over it and go back and see whatever was mm-hmm. done, they'll be so pleased with how mm-hmm. that situation was presented. And, well, and, and that's, that's better than any award we can ever get, you know? You know, I, I don't have trophies and I don't have plaques. Um, sometimes a lot, of, a lot of what I've covered over the years probably goes under the, under the radar of award judges and stuff like that. But, I, you know, I'm okay with that. Because mm-hmm. if those things sit in my house, I'm, I'm the only one that's going to see them. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if I go to the grocery store, and every 10 or 15 feet, I'm getting a hello, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a hug, and I'm getting teased or elbowed in the ribs or, or something mm-hmm. like that. You carry that around with you all day long. Oh, my goodness. And just the thank yous from people who remember something you did decades ago that to you may have seemed minor, but to them. And that's one of the things I try to teach our younger journalists. I'm like, you know, always be careful how you treat people because people will remember and I, they will tell their friends. So if you do something that you think you're getting over, I, there's a whole bunch of people going to know about it. And that whole karma wave is going to hit you, man. Uh, listen, you, if you do things right, mm-hmm. one or two people may notice it. You do things wrong. Oh, yeah. 20 people are going to notice mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I don't mean a simple 
human error, but I'm talking about, right. you know, an ethical exactly. judgment and, and how you treat people. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always said, look, I'm, I'm going to treat you as fairly as I can because the minute I don't treat you well, suddenly you and I are going to the same grocery store every week and we're going to pass every other aisle and I'm going to have to look at you every other aisle every week. And I don't want to have to look down because I can't, I can't look you in the eye. Mm-hmm. So if I, I'm going to treat you the way I, I want to be treated. Um, exactly. You know, whether, whether you've done something wrong or you're the victim of somebody doing something wrong, I, I'm going to treat you as fairly as I can that, that I can look you in the eye and know mm-hmm. I did what I was supposed to do. Right. Well, you know, uh, we all think about when you, a journalist looks back on their career, we think about all these great stories they covered. But to me, one of the most amazing things, and when I started calling you Superman, was this Red Cross walk that you did <laughs> for years, 99 miles in well, one week. Well, we start, when we started it, you know, the first year, I think it was, it was, it was a little bit less than 90. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, well, let's do next year when you do it, it'll be Red Cross's 96th birthday in South Georgia. So do 96. And then the next year you do 97. And, and, and when that happened, I said, okay, well, 2017 is going to be the last year. Well, why, why would you say that now? I said, because <laughs> that'll be the year that it's 100 miles. And if you do 100 miles... You better quit because if you do 101 the next year, where do you stop? Exactly. 102, 103. And I said, because six weeks from then, these feet and these knees of mine will turn 50. And that's a nice round. And so when you have one round number and another round number, that's when you quit. That's right. Don't ignore the signs. But, but it was it was so much fun. Um you know, it was kind of right there when the whole where in the world is Matt Lauer was mm-hmm. going on. And we had this brand new thing called Skype. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the ability to do live TV as just one person walking from this town to the next town and every day be able to find a story from somebody that had benefited from Red Cross or somebody that was a longtime volunteer that helped everybody in their community through red cross Mm -hmm. the stories told themselves and then the you know raising the money the way we did and then to find it's like well what if you go to so-and-so's barbecue tonight and you know if you bust tables you get the tips and i bet you people to donate money too and we went from doing a couple of those to doing half the nights we had one of those two we had one every Every night. night And, you know, at the end of it, we were raising, we raised $26,000, wow. in a week from one fool walking down the road <laughs> and talking about it on TV every night from a different town mm-hmm. and a different mom and pop diner, restaurant, right. barbecue joint. Um, it, it just kind of showcased some of the good things. Even when there was a tragedy, the good people in that community were doing something to help through Red Cross and we were spotlighting that. And so it, it I don't know, it, it almost became like a rock tour or something. You know, go into a town and see something on the marquee. Well, and I was like, well, I must be in town. Okay. Well, you know what I thought was so amazing, too, is to watch 
how the crowds followed you because we would get this video, your video, of people lining the streets like it, there was a parade and here comes Dow hobbling along when it was the end. Oh. And it was just amazing. It, it really was a movement. I mean, it, you... In some ways, it felt a little bit like Forrest Gump, you know? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but I will tell you, you know, so many times we are all looking for some way to really help. And I think sometimes we think it's a grand thing. And, and one thing that I was telling somebody in the newsroom during that time about it, I said, you know, this is amazing. But, and they were like, well, he's walking 90 miles. But we don't have to walk 90. We could just give him a donation and help, you know? But it's just amazing to me how you dedicated, what was that, five years of we that? Did, we did six years of six it. Six years. Six years and doing it for a week at a time. And, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd walk at least the morning or get through by mm-hmm. middle of the day try to edit some footage together if you'd talk to somebody or interviewed somebody or shooting video while you're walking down the road. Only um, you could have done all that, Dale. That <laughs> but, is crazy. But, but to put that narrative together without necessarily having a, a production crew or anything, right. just somebody driving a Red Cross car in front of me. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, you get the miles walked, you get it marked on your GPS, you know, punch it in, document it so anybody, could go, he's not walking all of that. Uh, take a look at this GPS. Yes. I, yeah, I did it. Here's how fast it was. Here's how many hours it was. Here was the pace. Here's how slow it was or how fast it was. It was like, here's proof in the pudding. So um, how many pairs of shoes did you go through, though? <laughs> uh, I would usually get a new pair uh, probably like a month beforehand. To break them in? Get them broken in. Um, and I would, I would go through a roll of tape. I'm not talking about athletic tape. Somebody told me a tip. Moleskin? Duct tape. Duct tape. Oh. I would put duct tape from the tip of my toes to the back of my heel, and I needed, for my foot, I needed three strips of it. Mm-hmm. I wear a size 14. Mm-hmm. Three, three strips of that on both feet okay. times seven days. You start getting to the bottom of that roll of tape. Right, right. <laughs> you can run through a roll of duct tape. So this quick. was to help prevent some of those blisters, blisters and, and things stuff like, like that. that. So yeah, um, yeah. Brand uh, fairly new pair of shoes, broken in. Um, have everything packed. You get up. You walk. You know, it, and it would depend. You get from one town to a next. So you know, one day of the week it might be twelve miles. And when I was in your territory in Liberty County, it was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, walk that, get your TV stuff ready, um, get changed, get cleaned up. Cause you, you know, smell like you've walked 18 miles, <laughs> go to a fundraiser, shake hands with people, take selfies, raise money, party, you know, party a little bit, bust tables part of the time, raise the money, get back to your hotel, get a shower, soak in some hot water if you can get changed, get sleep, get up next morning, tape your feet, put your socks on, get dressed, throw everything in a duffel bag, put it out there in the Red Cross car, get to starting point and go. Rinse, wash, repeat. repeat. <laughs> that is, that, that's a lot. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of families in that coverage area of the American Red Cross that probably have no idea that some of that fundraising you did helped to May not, may not have been those direct funds at that time, but just to get people keeping the Red Cross on their minds, which was always important. It's, I think but 
sometimes when we just kind of live our lives and, and we're fortunate where we don't have a tragedy, we see the Red Cross going far away places and, and making a big impact. But we forget that they're making this impact in our communities every day. There's somebody with a house fire or flooding or a neighborhood. A neighborhood gets flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a single house catches fire or an apartment building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those the tsunamis on the other side of the, of the world, those come along occasionally and they are catastrophic. But you think about how many nights, how many nights on the news there's a talk about a, a house fire, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in Savannah or it's someplace close. But, you know, fires like that on a common basis. And, and you put, say you put a family of four in a hotel for two or three nights, get everybody some clean clothes and um, some food for a couple of days mm-hmm. till their insurance starts to kick in. That adds up pretty quickly. And that 26000 might sound like, Oh, that would last for, you know, that that's a war chest. It would only last a few months of the year. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, the money came in, but the money went back out. Exactly, exactly. So, but no, it was fun. So now, um, you know, when you look back over all these years, um, there had to have been some people outside of the WTOC family who really help you create this legacy yeah. that you're leaving. <laughs> you know, I, I, we, we cannot have this conversation without the Hildebrands mm-hmm. um, from Ann, Jimmy, and, and you are always Jimmy. You, you will never be Jim. You can be Jim in the business world, but to WTOC people, he's still Jimmy, little Jim, Jimmy, Jim Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jimmy and Beth and Jeffrey um, and their spouses and their, their kids, um, you know, could not have done this without them um, vouching for me in public. I mean, I know Beth, I think at one point, you know, years later, Beth and I were talking and, and she said, you know, she said, I had people that say, I don't know why you're going to be friends with him. He thinks he's, you know, following your dad. He thinks he's as good as your dad. What? I, shoot, I wouldn't, uh-uh, I'd, I'd make him earn it. And she said, she looked at that person and said, you are sad. <laughs> so, so you want me to take what my dad did and just toss it in the trash and make this guy start from scratch? Wouldn't that be a waste of what my dad did? Exactly. And so, you know, we became so close. I became like an honorary. I was like a nephew or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe not one of the kids, but I was right. a nephew. Um, and, you know, could not have done it without yeah. them. Funny story. Um, when Beth's daughter uh, was a cheerleader at Metter High. You know, we, we know Jeffrey played football at Metter the first year that I covered football for WTOC. You know, wow. Jeffrey was now the starting quarterback. I was literally assigned to that team, just like if Jim was there covering his son every week. Mm-hmm. And so, I was, you know, almost married to the team. Um, and so covering Metter football had become a tradition. And so here's Beth's daughter, a senior cheerleader, and, you know, over the years, as I came to cover a game, she would come over, hug me. You know, teenage girl coming over and hugging you. And the only thing you have in common is that you have the job that her granddad did yeah. that she never met. And so to get a picture, um, it was funny. That season, Beth was like, one of these games before the end of the season, we need a picture. And so to get a picture with her and her daughter... Um, and, and just see, you know, what they posted 
about little old you. You know, the role I had in their life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but to have that connection and have a teenager care about you mm-hmm. because you have the job that her grandpa had. Right. Was that's that's the stuff that you grab and the Kleenex box is sitting in front of us right now and um yeah that's when you grab for the Kleenex. Well I'm gonna tell you, I mean they are just such amazing people, period. And to just to know how they pretty much a- adopted you into the family and where some people would have stayed away a little bit. But it's interesting because Beth certainly had the right idea because what Jim Hildebrandt was able to do was create a legacy of not only for WTOC, but himself being an excellent storyteller and photographer. And he taught me that everybody had a story, you know, and we no one could afford for you to drop the ball on that. No, no. <laughs> so to have that whole family lift you up and have the station to lift you up and those people who admired and respected and loved Jim Hildebrandt so much. I mean, I tell you, I will just very briefly talk about this. I just remember that day when. um, You know, we've had a lot of tragedy at WTMC. Yes. A lot of our yes. people have passed away and. um. Doug came in and told us that he had unfortunately passed away and we were just all stunned. I remember just for days, it was just like this heavy weight. It was just silence. You know, everything, all the laughter and joy had left the place. And um, we all went to the funeral and I will tell you, I will never forget the view of that processional when we were coming back from Metter to bury him on 16. And it was like a mile long. All of 16 were cars that were connected to salute this great man and support their family. It, it was just unreal, you know, and if any of us could have half the impact that a Jim Hildebrandt made, uh, a Doug Weathers, a Johnny Cole, a Mike Manhattan, wow. Mm. And it, it has, and through the years, it's gotten harder to do that because people have so many options now. And well, they, they do, and so, and, and so many people, you know, move. They're so mobile. Exactly. People that, you know, that their idea is not to stay in one place too long. Mm-hmm. They move there, the boxes are in the spare bedroom. They don't throw those boxes away because they know. they've got a date circled on the calendar that they're leaving in so many months or so many years. But, you know, for those of us that have homesteaded, <laughs> you know, just, just set down roots. Right. Um, you know, I think that's been the reward. Oh, yeah. A lot of rewards. Well, Dal, I will tell you this. Is there anything else? We have talked for quite a while. Is there anything else that you would like to share with um, our listeners, our viewers, um, any thank yous you'd like to make? Because my goodness, we could never thank you uh, enough for the sacrifices you have made for us. If I start trying to name names. Don't do that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to forget. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit, you know, the, the, the folks within the station. If I think about, you know, the, the Doug, I think about the folks that were here when I got here. And that's, you know, Doug and you and Mike and Mitch um, and Pat and and. Stephen Schub and Craig Harney. And I think about the folks that have come in, you know, Sonny Dixon came in the door a year after I got here and, and, you know, we sort of became fellow outlaws. <laughs> we, we, we were the ones that don't ask us what we think of a certain idea. Cause we'll tell you, and we might have a rather unorthodox way of doing something. But if you think about our audience outside Savannah, it's going to resonate with them. So just trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, so sunny along the way for sure. Um, so many folks 
inside the building. And mm-hmm. if I try to think about folks outside, I, I yeah. you know, one community, I, I don't want to leave out a community, don't want to leave out any person. But so many folks from law enforcement, the folks from agriculture, um, the folks from schools, um, everybody that's had a helping hand along the way. Um, you know, I, I could not have done this without the patience and, and the long suffering of those folks that, that, that endured the me calling them and saying, I'm on the way there. I'm going to be there in about 30 minutes. Can you talk to me about this? So-and-so, or, you know, can you give me an interview about this? Yes, we'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Um, but the folks, you know, also the folks that, that have watched us mm-hmm. and that have been loyal to WTOC and, you know, take us and consider us part of their family. I just say, thank you for letting us be that to you. You know, one last question. So as you leave us on September 1st, what would you like people to think of when they remember what you have done here or just looking back on Mm -hmm. your career since you're going to a new Uh, one? (laughs) You know, I think I'd like for folks to remember that I try to be fair. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes I've, I've joked around about this. Sometimes I've said, you know, put this on my tombstone. Remember me for the stories I didn't do. Not because I was late, not because I was lazy, but because I felt like it didn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be a story. That it was, you know, that's, that was something between two folks that it might be salacious. Mm-hmm. But it, it, yeah. it, the, the, the community is not served by airing out some all that dirty laundry this, this particular dirty laundry mm-hmm. um remember me for the stories i didn't do um and you know i try i i tried to be everywhere <laughs> if if i hadn't been somewhere in a while i'd try to get there for a story you know there were times where this you know this this is a good just a, a good positive story and you know we need to go to that town when there ain't nobody dead exactly and they remember that I think that's, you know, that I tried to get to everybody's everything and I tried to be fair when I did it. Well, you certainly did, sir. Well, I will tell you this. We are all going to miss you so much. We thank you so much for all of the hard work and you always gave 100 percent. You're so dedicated. And I just want to personally thank your family and close friends, because there were many times that you were in the middle of a family event and Dawn may have texted you or somebody on the weekend may have texted you. And whether we wanted you to go or not, you were gone to get that story. So I just um, hope that what you leave too is some of the younger reporters seeing what happens when you give it 100 percent and when you care about people. So. I will tell a story along that line. Um, I, I certainly don't need to tell you the impact that Mike Manhattan had in this building and outside. Um, when he passed away, there happened to have been, there was an, um, a job shadow that was following me, had followed me to a story at Fort Stewart and was coming with me to the station. Um, and I had to explain. I said, um, here's what's happened overnight. And um, you are about to see some of the impact when you have the rapport with an audience and to come to the building and see 
you know, restaurants that were bringing food like like we were a house, mm-hmm. like a family member had passed and church folks were bringing food. And to see that outpouring, and I said, you know, you're going to see some tributes and stuff like that that are put together. And I said, this is, you know, when you connect, if you want to be in TV and you stay in a place long enough and you connect, this is what, this is the legacy you leave. And I think that's, you know, part of it. Um, that people feel like they're, you know, they're part of you and you're a part of them. Amen. Thank you, Dale. Good luck in your next career. And we will certainly miss you. But one thing our listeners need to know, we'll have you on TV as you represent Bullock County from time to time. Probably answering the questions that I've been asking for years and years. I'll be on the receiving end now. That'll, That'll be a little different. But yes. Well, thank you, Dale. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.